This is NFL Friday, going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. What's going on, everybody? My name is Tyler Hu, back again with another episode of NFL Friday, WFEV's NFL podcast. It's Thursday, February 9th, same day of the NFL honors, same day as the NBA trade deadline and other news. But I'm joined today by Matt Benson, Maddie Bamonte. We got Will Talent behind the sticks. Ready for a primer, a huge show. This is our final show of the NFL season, which is bewildering to begin with. And, um, we got a lot to talk about today, but first of all, I'm going to ask you guys, how are you guys doing today? Matt, I'll start off with you. It's been a long week, week and a half yeah, it's been a fun one for you, to right? watch the Eagles in the Super Bowl. It's almost over, though. I'm so excited to watch the team play, and I'm just ready for Sunday. I'm so excited. Maddie? It's crazy because this is my first NFL Friday, so Ooh. they couldn't have picked a better week for me to have to talk about on this show. But the other crazy thing I was reading today is this is just kind of like a repeat of what happened for the World Series this year. It's a very unlikable team in the Kansas City Chiefs versus <laughs> Philadelphia. Like it's it's all happening at the same time, every sports colliding and you know, I'm just excited to get into it and talk about it, but it's been crazy to kind of read about this. We don't like the Chiefs? What's going on here? <laughs> well, I'm rooting for them unfortunately, but I I feel like the Chiefs are becoming the new New England Patriots in a way. Can't help but you know appreciate some greatness with uh, Mr. Patrick Mahomes leading the leading the helm. That's Even true. though he does, you know, puts ketchup on his steak. That is very questionable he decisions. Does? He does. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Maybe you're gonna root for the Eagles instead. Yeah. Joe Benson over <laughs> maybe there. I'm maybe about it. maybe it's becoming a Scobirds podcast. But you know, that's not what matters here. But um, today is the day of the NFL honors. Um. The show that was once so exciting, so fun, but this year it will be hosted by Kelly Clarkson. Um, great artist. Um, since you've been gone, fixture on the tape on the playlist, fixture on the summer playlist. But you know, I'm not like super excited for the NFL honors this year. I feel like it's kind of a foregone conclusion who wins, but I want to see like where you guys are headed with this. We're gonna go award by award. I'm gonna start off with the you know slow, slowly, slowly ease into the big ones. Um, we're gonna start off with coach of the year because coaches matter too. Um. The five candidates are Brian Dable of the New York Giants. You got Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills, Doug Peterson of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Kyle Shanahan of the San Francisco 49ers, and Nick Sirianni of the Philadelphia Eagles. The theme of this is pretty much new coaches. A lot of these guys are new to the job. First year, second year for Sirianni. You got two first year head coaches, even though Doug Peterson's obviously had previous experience. I'm going to start off with you, Matt. Um, I was, I want to know, who do you think is going to win the NFL Coach of the Year? As much as I would love to say Nick Sirianni, I feel like the voters are going to go against him with how strong the Eagles team is. 
in terms of their roster. And I think the same is going to go for Kyle Shanahan and Sean McDermott. I really think it's going to come down to Doug Peterson and Brian Dable. It's just a matter of who the voters really think had the bigger impact given their rosters. And both teams... Both, both teams started off in tough situations with very low expectations going into the season, and both teams ended up making the playoffs and each winning a playoff game. So both coaches did a fantastic job this year. You got a pick? or It's between those two, and I respect that pick, but do you have um, anybody you're going to rock with? Are you going to go with the, I think, the I, think I got to go with Dougie P. Can't get, can't get mad at that. Obviously, you know, I'm going to feel a little different. I'm going to feel some type of way, but, you know, Dougie P has done a phenomenal job. Maddie, who you got? I think we're going to be on the same page here, and, and I'm going Brian Dable on this one. When you take your team who finished at the bottom of the league in, like, almost every stat last year, like, they were just atrocious across the board. Now they finished fourth in rushing yards this year. They finished fifth in rushing yards per play. At this point, this team just has dramatically increased under Brian Dable's leadership. And I think when we saw Daniel Jones finally become better, a better quarterback this year, and I think that comes from leadership, and I think that stems from what he's telling him in the locker room, what he's telling him on the sidelines, and just the confidence a coach instills in its quarterback because we were not seeing that same guy last year. And so it's really kind of great to see this team kind of flourish under him, and, and I just think he's kind of my shoe-in for Coach of the Year. Yeah, I got to rock with big Brian Dable. That beautiful man has come home, brought the Giants back to some glory, even though they got mollywopped by your Eagles in the divisional round. Um, it's really good to see the Giants, you know, looking like a playoff team again, looking like what I grew up watching, good Giants football. And uh, Brian Dable's a massive part of that. He brought Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley back to looking like prominent NFL players. And I think he's my coach of the year but speaking of Saquon Barkley he is our can one of the three candidates in the next award I'm going to be talking about comeback player of the year we love a good comeback story on the show don't we and we got three guys who have made phenomenal comebacks whether it's from injury from being written off or you know in some case ain't right back Geno Smith one of the candidates um the Seahawks quarterback had a phenomenal year made the pro bowl Led the league in completion percentage, 69.8% from completion percentage. You got Christian McCaffrey, traded midseason from the Carolina Panthers, Maddie's favorite team, to the San Francisco 49ers and just absolutely just took his game to another level, took his game to new heights. And Saquon Barkley himself, the guy who was on a contract year, we didn't know where he was at. Last year, obviously, disaster of a year for the Giants. Um injuries in the past and we didn't know if Saquon was the same Saquon turns out he's the same Saquon if not better I want to it, it could go anyway really with this one Matt I'm gonna start off with you this time who do you think is your comeback player of the year uh, I think Geno Smith probably will take this one but I'm gonna go Christian McCaffrey I'm using my Panthers bias like I said last week on one-on-one I, I just think McCaffrey just has recovered so well from his hamstring and then ankle injuries and being on the injured reserve twice uh, and I think McCaffrey played uh, almost, in my opinion, a larger role than I would say Brock Purdy played on the 49ers because Brock Purdy really came into his own with the team, but you have to have some guy there that's really going to be your guy. And I think Christian McCaffrey was really developing for the 49ers. He rushed for over 1,000 yards. He had eight touchdowns. Uh, uh, just an amazing season, I think, with the 49ers after coming off of the dumpster fire that was the Carolina Panthers that I can't even talk about because it was that bad. But... 
I think when you come onto a team and you have a very young quarterback and you're really trying to help him develop and you're able to do what you can do and get your team that far and through the playoffs, I think McCaffrey deserves that kind of attention and, and praise. And like I said, Geno Smith had an incredible season and I think he's the favorite to win this, but I would go McCaffrey on this one for me. I can't. You can't go wrong with that one, honestly. After that first game against the Chiefs, obviously didn't know the playbook, um, only played limited sta- snaps. The 49ers, I'm pretty sure they did not lose a single game after that until the NFC Championship where, you know, Brock Purdy went out there with one elbow. But, um, yeah, CMC, I mean, phenomenal year. Really reestablished himself as one of the best running backs, best offensive weapons in the NFL. Matt, who's your pick for comeback player of the year? I'm going to have to go with Geno Smith as well. I think this is the closest award race out of all of them across the board. I think McCaffrey, what he's been able to do this year, after pretty much two full seasons out, it's, it was incredible taking his team to the NFC Championship game. Saquon also, after his first couple thousand-yard seasons, had a couple injury seasons, and he didn't miss a beat, which was incredible to watch this year, even though I had to be on the opposite side. But Geno Smith, after, what, 10 years pretty much of being written off as a backup, a bust, just a failed prospect essentially, and being able to come out of nowhere with the Seahawks, who even them as a team were written off, for both of them to come out and end up being a borderline to playoff team was just really, really fun to watch this year. And I think I think the media is also on his side, too, so I think he's going to end winning the award. Yeah, I got to go with Geno Smith. I obviously want to pick Saquon Barkley so badly, being a Giants fan. Great comeback story. And he was my pick for most of the year, but you can't really like go against that Geno story. The guy came off of his only really other starting stint was with the Jets, and he was not very good there. The guy is... The at the helm of a team that everybody thinks is going to be tanking. I thought they would be like two and fifteen, three and fourteen in the Seahawks. Comes out there, sets the tone week one by beating his the the former starter that started over him in Russell Wilson. Then comes out with probably the greatest quote of recent memory: "They wrote me off, but I ain't right back." Says that goes out there, leads his team to a playoff berth, makes the Pro Bowl, over forty two hundred passing yards, thirty passing touchdowns, does it all, and just absolutely dominates from end to end look like reestablished himself as one of the elite, like elite quarterbacks in the NFL this year unbelievable story he's my comeback player of the year and I do think he's probably going to win it we're going to go over to the rookies the kids of the league um this rookie class was really fun this these races were very end to end you could say oh it's very clear on some ends but I'm gonna start off with offensive rookie of the year a lot of late surges great competition and there are some guys that on this list there are three names on here there's a guy who I think was very obviously snubbed from that. The names here are Brock Purdy of the 49ers, Kenneth Walker III of the Seahawks, Garrett Wilson of the Jets. I think a guy who's very obviously snubbed is Chris Olave of the Saints. I think Olave, um, amazing season. Um, pretty much end, like very close numbers to Garrett Wilson, and he didn't make the ballot for the NFL honors. And I do want to show him some recognition, but I'm sorry with you, Maddie. Who's your offensive rookie of the year? For me, I I think offensive and defensive are going to be kind of a trend. I'm going Jets on this one. I'm going Garrett Wilson. I think uh, Garrett Wilson led all the rookies in receptions and receiving yards. And the most impressive thing was how bad the Jets offense like really was when con- with consistency this year. When you have multiple quarterbacks trying to fill that role, and you're still able to perform, you know, get, having 300 yard receiving games with three different quarterbacks. That's crazy to me. I think just. He's just been excellent this year, and I just think for him, the Jets, he's just really improved that kind of team, and and yeah, he's just been great, and I have to go him. 
Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. I think I think Brock Purdy had a lot of hype as the season progressed, but I don't think he played enough games to really get enough consideration to really get rookie of the year. I think Garrick Wilson, he had a thousand he had over a thousand yards with their quarterback situation that they had. Like could you imagine if he had a legitimate, stable quarterback situation? We're looking at a fifteen hundred yard player. I think for what he was able to do with what he had like his numbers are already no slouch, so I think he's well deserving of the award. Yeah, I'm rocking with Garrett Wilson. This is a clean sweep across the board. Jets killed the draft class. Kenneth Walker. I mean, that's a very close consideration. He had nine rushing touchdowns, 1,050 rushing yards. Unbelievable year for him, but it's G Dub to me. I mean, Garrett Wilson, as we mentioned, played with four quarterbacks. Um, Zach Wilson. Let's be honest, trash. <laughs> um, Joe Flacco should have retired five years ago. Uh, Mike White, amazing story, not good. And Chris Trevler, I saw it live and direct against the Jaguars. Yeah, no, he's very bad at football. So um, Garrett Wilson, if he has a competent quarterback, as you mentioned, easy, 1,500 yards. Looks like a true wide receiver one out there. The Jets have got themselves a good one. And on the other side of the ball, defense wins championships, and they got themselves a premier corner in Sauce Gardner. I feel like this is pretty obvious all across the board. Defense rookie of the year. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I got Sauce, too. The Jets killed it in the draft this year. Yeah, Sauce already. To me, I, he led the league in uh, pass breakups. Abs- unbelievable player. Um, Two interceptions, 62.7 pass rating against. And you could say Tariq Woolen has a really good case. Tied for the league lead in interceptions with six. He did his thing. Amazing corner. But Sauce, to me, right now, I mean, it could be a controversial take. I think he's the best cornerback in football. Um, He... To me, is the clear defense rookie of the year. You can say, oh, he doesn't have the interceptions. He was locking guys down. I only gave up one touchdown this year, and he, he's he got the Jets looking really good. That defense is unbelievable. With actual competent quarterback play, that's a really good football team I'm talking about right there. He's also just got such great personality. For That's what you want out of a young rookie. Yeah. You want some guy that you can really root for and be there, and, and he just he comes forward every game, and he just has that energy that you really want out of your rookie guys and, and yeah. to lead that team going further. And like you said, Jets really locked it down with this rookie class, and, and I really think that they have a bright future ahead of them. You know, Maybe not long-term on the Jets. I hope they can get somewhere else eventually, <laughs> but... From what they're accomplishing right now with what they're being dealt, it's crazy. Yeah, it's really impressive what he was able to do his rookie year, being the face as a rookie of a very strong defense and especially a strong secondary. He he was one of my top players coming into the draft this year, and he lived up to every expectation that I had. He was he was so good this year, and I'm excited to see what he has moving forward. Absolutely. Honestly, it looks like the second coming of Darrell Reeves out there at times. Um, I mean... The Jets fans are obviously very familiar with that. So if Sauce turns out like Darrell Rivas, they're in for a good couple of years. Um, let's go over to Offensive Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. Offensive Player of the Year, um, you got two receivers, you got two quarterbacks in here. This reward is usually a non-quarterback award. Very interesting to see these two quarterbacks in here. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, both super deserving. They're also in the MVP conversation. Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill are your other candidates. Matt, I'm going to start off with you. Who's your go-to for Offensive Player of the Year this year? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Justin Jefferson for this award this year. With 1,800 yards and eight touchdowns, he was he was the best wide receiver in the league. And Tyreek Hill is incredibly good, and he was I think he was a close second. But at, like you mentioned, I feel like this award is basically the MVP of the wide receivers or running backs, whereas the MVP award is the quarterback award. So it's going to go to a wide receiver this year, and I think it's Jay does. 
I completely agree. I, I think Jefferson has just been absolutely incredible, and it speaks to the longevity in his career, too. He has the most receiving yards since he entered the NFL in 2020. Uh, he has the most receiving yards in a player's first three seasons in NFL history. You can't, you don't get a guy like that very often, and I think Jefferson, like we're agreeing, this category is really for a wide receiver, and while, and you leave that MVP category for that quarterback, and, and I think Justin Jefferson would be uh, it would be a terrible misfortune to pass him up on this award, to be honest. Yeah, this is, to me, a runaway. It's Justin Jefferson. Obviously, Ty- Tyreek Hill did have the early season momentum where he led all of the receiving categories, but then Justin Jefferson just came on hot this year. Midseason really just turned up, and, I mean, this is pretty reminiscent of last year at Cooper Cup. Very similar st- statistics. And we kind of saw this coming from the preseason when the Vikings hired Kevin O'Connell, who's the offensive coordinator of the Rams. They mentioned that they were going to use Justin Jefferson in that Cooper Cup role, where he's done that before at LSU. And, oh, man, did he turn up this year. He played out of his mind pretty much every game. And you saw how important it was when he got taken out of the game plan when teams started bracketing him and doubling him. The Vikings offense just fell apart. You can look at that second Packers game. You can look at the Giants in the wild card game where they put a Dory or Dory Jackson on him and bracketed him and pretty much said, let anybody else on this team beat us but Justin Jefferson. Because Justin Jefferson's that receiver who can take one play and get it, take it to the house with ease. He is unbelievable. He had a couple signature moments this year. Obviously, the one that comes to mind is that fourth down and long against the Bills where he made probably one of the greatest catches of all time. He's the clear offensive player of the year to me. Just unbelievable player. But let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball. You got three candidates here. It's Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, and Chris Jones. Very interesting group of candidates here. I think that these are the three clear best defensive players in the league right now. Would you guys think that? I would agree. I I might disagree a little bit just because I, I think Hassan ooh. Reddick is in there. Hassan Reddick did have a massive season. He had 16 mm-hmm. sacks, led league in forced fumbles, I'm pretty sure, with five. Just unbelievable year, and we saw what he could do in the NFC Championship game. But based off these three candidates, Matt, I'm going to start off with you. Who is your pick to win Defensive Player of the Year? I think, hands down, one of the best defenses across the NFL was the 49ers this year. And so I have to go with Nick Bosa on this. Just had 15 sacks in 2021, 18 this past season. Uh, he's just been crazy amazing. He's a tank back there on that defensive line. He ranked first in quarterback hits, uh, second in tackles for loss. Like To me, that defense really thrived under him, and I think he was a leader for that defensive line. And, and I think Nick Bosa, when you look at that team and you look at what he's accomplished this season, to me, he's he's just got to be that guy. But it, it was kind of a, it was a really good category this year, and I think just because of that 49ers strong defensive as a whole, Nick Bosa really gets this one for me. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't I don't have much else to say. The 49ers are one of the top defenses in the league, and he's the face of their defense. He's getting double teamed all the time. He beats the double teams. He's just a dominating defensive force on their defensive line, and I think he's well-deserving of the defensive player of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think this was a much closer race around like week 14, week 15. Then Micah Parsons kind of tailed off a lot at the end of the season, kind of got passed up by some guys. Chris Jones had an amazing year, one of the best years from the interior defensive line. You could possibly have the guy had 15.5 sacks, just pressure all the time, and was we saw how good he was in the AFC Championship against the Bengals, just absolutely letting Joe Burrow a new one, just pretty much making Joe Burrow's life back there hell. Um yeah, to me, it's obviously Nick Bosa had from end to end the best year of any defensive player. And I mean, might as well give it to him considering the Bosa family did not have a good week two weeks ago. <laughs> I think Matt knows pretty well what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, 
Mr. His brother, Joey Bosa, could not handle trash talk to save his life, and Nick Bosa kind of got locked down by a very injured Lane Johnson. But, um, I mean, Nick Bosa is very deserving, and he was the catalyst. Him and Fred Warner were the catalysts of the best defense in the NFL in the 49ers. But we're going to move over to the one that matters the most, the MVP, the most important award in football, besides Super Bowl MVP, of course. But, um... You got five candidates here. You got four quarterbacks and a wide receiver. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got Jalen Hurts. You got Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Justin Jefferson. I feel like this is pretty obvious here. I feel like we're all on the same page here. It's Patrick Mahomes. Yes, it's Patrick Mahomes for me. Yeah, I completely agree. As much as I would love to say Jalen Hurts, his the injury, injury, the injury, injury killed, killed him. him. Yeah. yeah, I think that Jalen Hurts at that point, when he got injured, was actually the favorite, considering Mahomes was coming off a three-interception performance against the Broncos. Jalen Hurts is out there just rolling, just absolutely dominating. They missed three games. What did they go? One. I think they went one and two. One and two. Yeah. They lost to the Saints, I know that, and the uh, Cowboys. But um, just shows how important Jalen Hurts is. I want to just give some credit to him, the guy who's going to be starting at quarterback in the Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, he had a phenomenal year. You could go to Josh Allen. Josh Allen, uh, you know, hot and cold year. I would say very hot and cold year. Obviously, count numbers are there, but I'm pretty sure he led the league in interceptions or was at least up there. Uh, just a very weird year and obviously ended on a sour note. Joe Burrow. The new, I guess, fa- one of the new faces of the league had an amazing year, of course. And Justin Jefferson, we already talked about him, best receiver in the NFL. But it is Patrick Mahomes' award. But the problem is, if you're a Chiefs fan listening to this, that is quite the problem. Considering the MVP curse is a real thing. Um, MVP has not won the Super Bowl since 1999 when Kurt Warner did it. I'm pretty sure. So if you're, I mean. If you're a Chiefs fan, you better be crossing your fingers, hoping that Patrick Mahomes can break it. If if anybody can, it's Patrick Mahomes. This is the best quarterback in the NFL. Or, to me, the best quarterback of all time. You could, uh, and just an unbelievable talent, but he's got a tough test ahead of him. And speaking of that tough test, we're going to move over to some Super Bowl talk. The most important award in the NFL is obviously the Super Bowl. The biggest day, Super Bowl Sunday. We got ourselves a good one between two 14-3 football teams, two of the best teams in the NFL. You got the Eagles, who just absolutely loaded from top to bottom. There is not a single weakness on that roster. And you got the Kansas City Chiefs, led by Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Big Red himself, Andy Reid. He's going to be facing off against his former team. And we're going to talk about some cool storylines. Andy Reid, fired by the Eagles in 2012, takes over as Chiefs head coach in 2013. Since then, has led a reign of dominance. And, you know, we all know the best storyline of the Super Bowl. This is a family affair we're talking about. This is the New Heights Bowl, the Kelsey Bowl. Travis and Jason Kelsey, they are the first brothers to ever face each other in the Super Bowl. This is, if we're being honest, two clear first ballot Hall of Famers, two of the best players at their position. Is this your guys' favorite storyline? This has to be my favorite storyline. I love a good family like duo in the in the finals, and and I think especially for the family, this has just got to be like the best case scenario to see both your your boys play against each other. And they just they're just great people all around. Like you never hear m- anything bad about them. They're always like the just a positive face to see in the NFL. And I think how they've been handling this upcoming game together and and their excitement around it. And you know I love their podcast that they do. So it, I think it'll be like a crazy fun way to hear about the Super Bowl after they play together and and I I just think like between them you're just gonna get a really good matchup and and I mentioned um 
last Saturday that uh, I heard that they were trying to petition for the coin toss together. So that would be a really fun thing to see. I would love to see that still image of them doing the coin toss. But yeah, it has to be one of my favorites um, just because of the family aspect. It's just a sucker for, you know, a good old fashioned football match. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's. I think it's such a cool storyline. They're both such fun players to watch, both on and off the field. Maddie, you mentioned the podcast that they do. It's always fun to listen to because they're both such engaging personalities. And I, I know their mom is too. She's always, she's always at the games, just rooting. <laughs> she's got the half and half jersey she's on. Have oh, the half and so half sick. jersey. I think, I think it's, I think it's even cooler than like the Harbaugh brother matchup oh, because mm-hmm. you know with whole Jim Harbaugh not talking to John for like a whole year after <laughs> you know, the, those rumors that happened. We're gonna hear the podcast at the Wednesday after. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. While while Jason's at the uh, Super Bowl parade, of course. <laughs> sure. Yes, he's gonna be cheering on Travis Kelsey in Kansas City for the Super Bowl parade, of course. <laughs> but um, this is a very fun matchup. We're talking about two quarterbacks that are in the MVP race. But I want to go a little further into that. Some guys that go under the radar. You got guys on both sides of the ball. Um, on the Eagles, you got guys like Hassan Reddick, Javon Hargrave, um, Darius Slay, James Bradbury. On the on the Chiefs, you got um, Nick Bolton, the starting linebacker. You got Chris Jones, who's one of the best interior defensive line. But we we don't really talk about some guys that are like usually X factors. Some guys that you know gone under the radar. Funny enough, I'm pretty sure the Chiefs uh, mascot or super fan. His name is X Factor. But um, some X factors to this game. Some guys that are going to go under the radar that are going to make a huge impact. Who do you guys think? Like one for each team off the top of your head. Do you think can make a big impact on the game? Well, I mentioned Hassan Reddick earlier, so I think he's going to be one. But I think just the Eagles' offensive line in general. Each each member of their offensive line is ranked in the top ten in PFF of yeah, their specific amazing. position. Just the offensive line is one position itself is so dominant, and if they're able to hold it up, I think the Eagles have a good chance. Yeah, no, I've been really impressed with that offensive line out of the Chiefs just because yeah. of how just how great they work with their quarterback just as a whole. It's really hard to just like pass over them or ignore them as a whole, and and for me, it's even really hard to kind of pick one just because of just how good like they all work um when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and and it's kind of that thing where you can rely on him for everything you just have to be there know your plays and just show up he will do all the work for you you can't go wrong with that offensive line and and so I really got to give credit to all of them because I think they've just been such like a team a unit for the past couple seasons that you've seen grow with Mahomes and I don't think you see that in a lot of teams anymore with their offensive line um I think the Eagles' like defense has also been incredible too, and and I think that has been great for them, um, especially against teams in the NFC East who this year were not the biggest like shy away from competitors. I feel like the Giants had a really good year this year. We got to give them credit. Cowboys had a decent year this year, so it's been it's been tough for the Eagles. They haven't had an easy road, and that defense has just stopped them time and time again. It's really shut down those offenses, but that Chiefs' offense to me. It's scary, and I think it's really the game changer. Yeah, I think um, definitely both very valid points. These are two of the best offensive lines in the NFL, arguably. Both very solid. Both teams super well-constructed. They built dynasty. These teams could easily go out there and become dynasties, if we're being honest. These are by far two of the clearest, best teams in the NFL. There's a reason why they're here. I think my X Factor, I'm going to go on both um, for both teams. I think I'm going to go Juju Smith-Schuster for the Chiefs. I think the fact that Avante Maddox, is the slot corner for the Eagles, has been banged up. I pl- I'm pretty positive he's going to be healthy for the game. I think the Eagles' injury report is clean. It's just a bunch of guys resting. But still, 
We know that the Eagles are going to key in on Travis Kelsey. They're going to key on tra- on Travis Kelsey, try to def- uh, block off the deep threat of Kadarius Tony and Marcus Feldes-Scantling. But who can get you easy yards? It's Juju Smith-Schuster, your slot receiver, your big body. I think he's going to play a massive role in the Super Bowl. And for the Eagles, um, I think it's really the run game. I think the run game against this very tough Chiefs front with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Nick Bolton, it's going to be tough to get guys past them. But the Chief, we know the Eagles' run game has been so successful. You got Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell back there toting the rock. You got the best offensive line in the NFL, pretty much just running down your throat and pretty much you see Jason Kelsey doing his little dance that I just want to rock dance in this end zone. Hopefully we don't see that too many times this week, at least from my perspective. I know you're going to think something different, but um, I'm really excited to see that battle of the trenches there. And I do think that there, there are some guys that are flying under the radar. The two guys I mentioned, the two front up front units that you guys mentioned are so key to this game. But we're going to come back down to the final, the most important thing, the final score prediction. I want to know what you guys are thinking, what's on your mind. Man, I'm going to start with you. I know you're an Eagles fan. What's your score prediction, and why do you think that? Okay, so I'm, of course I'm going to say the Eagles are going to win, because <laughs> I have to. No surprises okay. there. But I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, like most Super Bowls are outside of Super Bowl 53. Yeah. I think I think it's going to be like 34-24. to 24. Mm, I think it's going to be a 10-point game, going to be very close until the end. But uh, Jake Elliott will kick a field goal to put it out of reach for the Chiefs. Jake but I think Elliott. this is one of the most being completely neutral this is one of the most exciting Super Bowls I think over the past few years these are both the clear-cut I think top two teams from each league mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. both teams are stacked top to bottom offense and defense top and quarterbacks very top, each other yeah, too. yeah a lot of great storylines a lot of a lot of parallels between the two teams so I think just neutrally as a football fan this is gonna be such an exciting game I'm going a little bit lower scoring. I think just both teams are so tough this year like you mentioned I, I do agree they are the clearest um, cut first place teams from both mm-hmm. both sides I think to me honestly I have no stake in the Super Bowl which as I do most Super Bowls honestly at this <laughs> rate, like Besi- I really besides 2015 of course besides 2015 but I wasn't a Cam Newton fan so I really wasn't oh. even, I wasn't a Cam Newton wow, fan. wow no I really wasn't and neither was any of my family so I was not like the craziest and also you're <laughs> unreal you you have um uh, you know Manning's last Super Bowl. It's like kind of rude to be like, "Oh, I hope the guy loses," because I like his personality. I, th- I like Peyton. I like he's it. funny. Yeah, he's funny. Um, obviously, like Eli a little bit more. But going back to the whole prediction, I, I think this is going to be closer for me. I'm going 28-24. I'm thinking the Chiefs are going to edge this one out, um, mainly just because of how good Patrick Mahomes has been. Um, I, I think the guy is just something we haven't seen for a while in quarterbacks. I think that he has a very long career ahead of him just after what he put in this season, averaging like 308, 308 passing yards and no other quarterback and more than 208. Like, that's crazy to me to think that he's able to accomplish that. And I think when you have that kind of leader, um, while I think Jalen Hurts is also a phenomenal leader, even amidst his injury and everything that's gone on with him, it's just to me the Chiefs are so good that I, I really have a hard time debating this otherwise. Like you said, the MVP curse could very well rear its head and he doesn't make it through and it, it turns the other way. But I think this is going to be a really tight game. I really kind of see this falling the Chiefs' way, but it's to me both both teams really are just tough this year that it's it's hard to see anything really like major go on. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really close game. The spread does kind of uh, reflect that. It's Eagles minus one and a half, so it's not like a massive spread. This is like a field goal game, a two-point game. The over-under is 50 and a half. I mean, 
I think we're all on the same page. It's going to hit the over. Um, I'm going to decide the tiebreaker by obviously rolling with the Chiefs because I'm biased. But in <laughs> real talk, I think that the Eagles, to me, have a better roster from top to bottom. But uh, it's Patrick Mahomes, man. And the guy's going to be fully healthy. And it, by the time this episode comes out, by the time the Super Bowl is going on, he's going to be fully healthy. Both ankles will be working. Um, I just think that... I can't go against Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, you mentioned the MVP curse. So it's, you know, curses are meant to be broken. As they said, records are meant to be broken. I'm going to twist it a little bit for narratives. I think curses are meant to be broken. Patrick Mahomes will break the MVP curse and win his second Super Bowl of his career. I'm really excited for this game, though. This is probably the most excited I've been for a Super Bowl in a while. I think this is the, this has potential to be one of the best Super Bowls of all time. Clear two best teams in the football Two rising stars at quarterback. Well, one's already at the the top of the pantheon, and then one is well on his way to becoming one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But that will do it for this episode of NFL Friday. It's been a great one of as usual. We got a lot of Super Bowl coverage going on right now. You got Will, you got um Ryan Gregware, you got Sam Davis, Mike Calamari, and Danny Scott out there at Radio Row for the Super Bowl. Right here in the studio, you got Maddie Bamonte, you got Matt Benson, and you got Will Talent behind the boards. But for that, I'm Tyler Hu. NFL Friday is a production of WFUV Sports.